Lisa Matam is the founder and CEO of Sahajan, a natural skincare line grounded in the ancient science of Ayurveda. From Lisa's background in the pharmaceutical industry to becoming selected for Sephora's Accelerate program, this is a story you have to hear. Hi everyone and welcome to Founder Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable and Main, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable and Main has been an incredible journey so far and I've decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's a delight to welcome our guest for today, Lisa Matam. Mother, consultant, founder, and CEO of her skincare brand, Sahajan, Lisa is a force to be reckoned with. With 15 years of experience as a pharmaceutical executive under her belt, Lisa launched Sahajan in 2015 in Ode to India's 5,000-year-old science. She worked in formulations with Ayurvedic doctors in India with a mission to unlock ancient Indian rituals and prove their efficacy with their high-performing science of today. Since Sahajan's launch, Lisa has become the only Canadian to be selected for Sephora's annual Beauty Accelerator program and has been recognized by the Indo-Canada Chamber of Commerce as a Female Entrepreneur of the Year. She is truly leading the way for the advancement of women in business and Ayurveda in skin science. And it's my absolute honor and pleasure to speak with her today. And I must add, she's also a dear friend. This makes it even more special. So Lisa, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. I always love spending time with you. We've got to spend a lot of time recently in Toronto. And now I feel like it's, 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 it's always great when we have some history because I feel like I can, I'm not afraid to go a bit deeper in and, and I just feel like there's so much more we can get out of the podcast as well. So I'm really excited for our conversation. My first question I ask every single guest and I'm going to ask you, Lisa, is who in a nutshell is Lisa? Oh my gosh, that's a really big question. And it was interesting because I was listening to your introduction of me and I think in so many ways you got it, but I think, you know, who I'm aspiring to be is, is, you know, really a whole person is, is a person who is absolutely a founder and CEO, but takes that platform and uses it not only to advance Ayurveda, not only to advance skin science, but really uses it as a platform for authenticity to, you know, you talk a lot about collaboration over competition to really increase the authentic voices in the beauty industry and across entrepreneurship. But I'm also, as you pointed out, I was a consultant in a previous life. I was a pharmaceutical executive in a previous life. I'm a very proud mom. I'm a fitness junkie, which I don't know if I've ever told you that, but back in the day I was a fitness instructor. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've like taught spinning and this is maybe now my age, but I taught step. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think when you talk about who I am, like I strive to be someone, I do a lot of like journaling and gratitude. So I, I strive to be someone who who is kind first and foremost, mm-hmm. and that everything that I do really lives in accordance with my values. And I hope that that when my kids look at me, you know, a number of years from now, that that's what they'll see. That's amazing. I mean, I, I kind of want to go a bit back in the past now, you know, speaking of kids and stuff. So growing up, I know your mom was born mm-hmm. in in Kerala, in rural Kerala. Both my parents. Um, yeah, both, both my parents. parents. Mm-hmm. Oh, amazing. And then and then mm-hmm. they they emigrated into the US, right? 
So my mom immigrated into the U.S. She, with her brothers, she lived there and then she moved to Toronto, went back to India and got married. And then they they settled here in Canada. Uh, Mm -hmm. So you were born in Toronto? I was born in Toronto. Mm -hmm. You're a, a, oh, I should say, no, I've been there now. It's not Toronto, it's Toronto, correct? It's Toronto. I know, I know. And you and I have now spent time in New York together and Toronto. So exactly. Next stop (laughs) has got to be somewhere even more exciting. Well, (laughs) London will do for sure. And then who knows where. Um, Mm -hmm. But I want to talk a bit about kind of your upbringing with Ayurveda. So what was that like growing up? So, you know, for... From when you think of Ayurveda, and and this is probably more than anybody wants to know, but from a historical perspective, when the British came to India, Ayurveda had to go underground. And so it moved to the south of India. And so Kerala, where my parents are from, is truly the epicenter now of Ayurvedic study. And it has been over hundreds of years. And so for my family, we didn't use the word Ayurveda growing up. It was just the way that we lived. It was just the way that we did things. And my parents, as you mentioned, they grew up on farms, they grew up on plantations. So for them, it was using what was not only in the kitchen, but what was in the garden or what was on the farm to hail their ailments. But it was it was using those things regularly. So you and I have both talked about the practice of hair oiling. I mean, that's something I've been doing since I was a child. My parents, you know, I joke that Turmeric is to my family what Windex is to the Greeks. Like we've been using turmeric on our skin, on acne, on, um, you know, on scarring. When I was a little kid, if I would fall and scratch myself, my parents would make a little dough with turmeric on it and put it on it, put it on that scar. And then we used it internally to help with our ailments. And my parents you know, because they didn't use the word Ayurveda. And my dad, it was really my dad in so many ways that brought this ancient science into my life, but it was a part of a lifestyle that he aimed to create. I grew up in an environment where, you know, so we were, you know, early immigrants to Toronto that were Indian. And I remember my dad would meditate and he would light candles. And I can remember having sleepovers and saying to him, like, can you just make pancakes like everybody else's dad? And not like candles and chant in the morning. And now that's all like, and now that's what everybody does. And that's, and it's so funny because he looks back at me, but, you know, Ayurveda growing up was really just part of the way that we lived. And so when I became inspired to, to create Sahajan, it was really dipping into my intuition. It was really looking at what I knew intuitive to intuitively to be, to be true. It was really, I had had that, you know, firsthand life experience of the benefit of Ayurveda, but I wanted to take that and I wanted to package it in a way that other people couldn't, it wouldn't just be intuition. It could be known for them. And that was where the science came into it. That's amazing. And and I want to talk a bit later about, um, kind of now that to creating Sahajan, because I know Mm -hmm. that's a a whole journey. Similar to Fable, you know, I, I understand this we are both in the same boat of bringing our rituals and a kind of childhood memories mm. into something for the world to enjoy. But I want to talk a little bit about also your incredible kind of education. And I mean, you, I was, I was, when I was reading about it, I was like, all right, someone's, uh, you've done a lot of stuff. And I think there's, I want to give a segment of the podcast for you to just explain a little bit about your initial career and your, your master's MBA, your BA, all that kind of stuff you've done. So yeah, mm-hmm. go for it. For sure. So like, probably like many South Asian kids, my parents wanted me to be a doctor, (laughs) despite all the love of Ayurveda. Um, But uh, so I started, yeah, as you said, I have an undergrad in science, and then I went on to do an MBA, and then I started a career in pharmaceuticals. And so I worked uh, mostly in biotech. So that would be in like recombinant DNA products. And so 
uh, anemia of chronic kidney disease, fertility, and I worked in marketing, I worked in strategy. But what's fascinating about working in a highly regulated environment like that is that you quite quickly learn, um, one, it was a marriage of both my science and my business background, but you quite quickly learn that in those environments, you can only say what's true. Like we used to joke that, you know, when, when you're in marketing, you can kind of finesse words, but when you're in marketing and pharma, it's like, you can't say this is a great pen. You can't say this is the best pen. You just have to say like, this is a pen. So it's really, you know, I had to get into the high science to really understand some of the differentiation when I was working in those arenas. And you, and when growing up in big corporate, it's also a fascinating experience. When I left my last formal role, I was at J and J in their biotech division working on their biggest biotech brand. Like it was an incredible experience. And then from there to launching a consulting practice and within our practice and the practice grew. And I'm very proud of that first business because the practice grew. We did a ton of consulting back to pharma. I helped launch brands within the industry. Uh, We did a lot of strategic work, but also, as you mentioned earlier, I built an incredible platform on the advancement of women and the advancement of diversity. And it wasn't, I didn't necessarily go into consulting thinking that would be such a huge focus of the business, but Mm. it was obviously an area of personal passion. When I was in undergrad, I was gender equity chair. When I was a child, I can remember like writing letters to stores, telling them I didn't like their advertising because I thought it was, uh, unfair from a gender perspective, or I thought it was, you know, ripe with all sorts of things, including misogyny. Um, And so working, you know, I worked with companies like Walmart to help them advance women into the C-suite. And it was really, it's always been really critical to me that that I play or that I take this labor of love or this area of passion and I actually use it. And so that was an incredible experience for me to be able to go into these very big corporations and to be uh, a sight line for them in terms of understanding why, if they have, for example, women at equal levels at men at certain levels of the organization, why aren't they rising? What are the challenges having discussions with these women sitting with like the CEOs of some of the biggest companies in North America and candidly sharing the feedback, the insight, and then processes that they can put into place to really change the the vantage point, the path for women, and then, you know, add on to that for diversity in general was an incredible part of my career. It, it's, uh, it's something that will always be part of my career. That's amazing. And I mean, mm-hmm. you've, I love how, you know, you, you've exactly, as you said, you've continued to do that and champion this, especially today um, with, I've read all your interviews with what you've done and what you stand for. It's like, I love that. And it probably even feels a lot more rewarding as well to be able to do that with your own company today, you know. Um, and it's, I think it's a lot more uh, impactful as well to have, um, you know, seen your success inspire so many, but also you paved the way for the industry that we want to see, right? Which is 100% more inclusive and um, just having more people like you, like us, out there in the industry. Absolutely. On On the kind of, I guess topic I want to go into the most which is the the birth of Sahajan because for me it's uh, uh, I've known about it for a long long time it's been one of my favorite Ayurvedic brands um, as you know and I would love 
to know uh, how it all started because I know it launched in 2015, but of course the idea must have been conceived before that. Oh, yes. So it was, again, I never thought I would be a beauty founder. Like I went from pharma to being a consultant. Like it, mm. all I had were suit jackets and um, this was not in my, in my view, certainly. And then I came home one day. So as you know, I have children. We've already talked about that. I was pregnant with my second child and I came home and my daughter had gotten into my skincare. She was home with a babysitter and she had it all over her face, her arms, everywhere. Super cute super thick, the way that kids, you know, play with things. And I remember looking up at the top of the stairs and thinking a myriad of thoughts. She's so cute. (laughs) That's probably a million dollars on your face. Um, But I also remember thinking, my gosh, you have to take that off your skin. I have no idea what that's going to do to your young, beautiful skin. And just as like a side note, particularly with your first, you're a little bit more like, I'm going to make sure that you eat organic food. And I give you the, you know, when you eat chocolate, it's going to be the best. Then by the time you have more, you're like, you can raise yourselves. But, um, but uh, I remember saying to her, if you want to play with things, these are the things you should play with. And I brought her into her room and I took her and there were these bottles that my parents had brought back from India. And it was in that moment that I had so many thoughts. Like if my skincare isn't good enough for her, then it Mm. certainly isn't good enough for me. But I also thought about like, if this is what I trust, like if this is what, again, I believe to be truth, these, then why hadn't I, why had I walked away from that? And I've always like, you know, I've always tried to be on a bit of a path of wellness. I'm not perfect. I eat my cookies. I enjoy things. Don't get me wrong. As you should. But, you know, as, as, as everybody should, but you know, I've been practicing yoga for a long time and I've been doing things for a long time. And I thought, why did it take me so long to get here with this concept of clean skincare? And I thought it's because people buy for results first. They buy for my skin is red. My skin has, you know, I have, I have acne prone skin. I'm feeling tired. My, my skin's looking dull, whatever it is. I feel like I'm looking old, you know, turn back the hands of time. And I realized you know, as I looked across, one I couldn't find at the time an Ayurvedic brand that I could purchase that I could enjoy. But two, I realized that this was in the infancy of the clean movement, that we were yes. all talking about what's good for you. And we weren't talking about like what it does and how it works and what it will change. And I thought, that's it. Like I could be this golden connection from this ancient science that you and I both love that we grew up in, but has like high performing time tested ingredients that I know to be true. And I could be the link to that in modern science. And, you know, this is a really simple example, but there's an ingredient called Gotu Cola. The scientific name is Centella Asiatica, or you would know it as Brummi um, also. So depending on what you call it by, it's an incredible ingredient for the skin. It stimulates the production of collagen. It's amazing if you have scarring and hyperpigmentation and all of these things. When we were creating the brand, the Ayurvedic doctors, when I was, we kind of reverse engineered, I would say like, I want a serum that does helps, you know, if somebody who wants to positively age helps with scarring, helps with hyperpigmentation, and they would tell us the ingredients. So when they suggested Brummi and I looked at the scientific name, I was like, why do I know this? And then in pharma, it's used in over-the-counter scar cream. So if you ever get like a dermatological procedure or you have a C-section, it's used in a, it's used in those creams to help you recover. So these are ingredients that are being studied or have been studied and are being used, but we just haven't seen them being used in cosmetics in the same way. And so I thought it's time, right? It's time, not just, you know, we need to talk about the ritual and the beauty and everything that Ayurveda adds, but we need to bring that science because it delivers, it delivers. And when I think of, you know, we did clinicals on our two hero products and that was something we did pretty early on right out the gate. And it was because I knew it would deliver. 
And I wanted to show people that they could put a Sahajan, you know, nourished creme riche beside their favorite conventional product and that they would get the same results. Oh, I love that. But so, so you mentioned, obviously, um, Sahajan is a beautiful word and I think it means intuitive, right? Sahaja um, means intuitive. How did you come up with the name? Oh, it was, to be honest, it was a real, (laughs) it was a real process. Um, Because as you said, like this was conceived, the idea for Sahajan was conceived, as I said, I was nine months pregnant and like four Mm. weeks later I had a baby. So we worked on it and I was very pragmatic. We did it at the lab and all that kind of stuff. So it was a while before we launched, but we really came up with the words that were the inspiration to what I was doing. And then yeah. we had them translated into Malayalam, which is my parents' mother tongue. And then we had them translated into Hindi and Sanskrit. And um, when we locked in on Saheja, it just made sense. It it sounded right. It felt right. It just, Hybrid. Yeah. Sometimes you have to, I mean, there's so many times, you know, as an entrepreneur, you have to follow your intuition. You have to go with your gut. And so that whole thing of intuition, Ayurveda being an intuitive science, but also my mission, which was to give people the science so that they could follow their intuition and go clean. Like everything was weaved in in this idea of of intuition. And so it made sense. That's amazing. So let's go, let's break that down. So you have the the Mm -hmm. name, you trademark it, and then you have the Mm -hmm. no, you have the Ayurvedic doctors, you have the formulas, which I'm sure... Hundreds of revisions, but you got there. What did you initially launch with? What were your first few products? So we launched with a collection. Um, and this is how you know that I don't come from skincare because my first like real beauty advisor was from YSL. He used to run YSL here in Canada and Australia. And I showed him the collection two months pre-launch and he, and he said to me, where's your cleanser? And I was like, cleanser? Like, what do I need a cleanser? Yeah. And he was like, nobody launches a skincare brand without a cleanser. And you have a hair oil and a body oil. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I launched it with Ayurveda in mind, really like from a head to toe. So we launched with our, still our hero skews. So our Nourish Creme Riche, our Radiant Serum. Those are our two, like, we sell out of those every winter. Like, it, they're incredible products. We have our Radiance Eye Cream. And then we launched with our um, hair oil and our Ritual Body Oil. Which and that's that's how we launched at the gate, and we launched um, at the Toronto International Film Festival, which you yeah. need to come to Toronto for, by the way. I but need to. Um, which is an incredible film festival. But we did it in the Gifting Lounge, and it was a really, really, it was really special for me because I was one of the earlier brands to talk about Ayurveda, and so when I was talking to beauty editors about it or introducing it to the world, people couldn't even say the name. Like they had no idea what I was talking about. And so it was really planting seeds in those early days. But when we were at the gifting lounge, you know, celebrities often are the, they're the early trendsetters. They, they know what they like and they're looking for, you know, what's next. And they're also very deep in their spirituality and a natural. And so we had celebrities coming through who were like, Ayurveda, I know that I've been to India. Brie Larson was like, I've been to Kerala. I filmed a movie there. I did an Ayurvedic retreat there. Like it was incredible. Tom Hardy came through. He like beard oiled. It was like, it was, it was so cool. But it was also for me, I think for a launch, it kind of gave me that, one, I know this brand's going to be on the global beauty stage, so let's let's start it there. But, yeah. um, but hey, like if they know it, I I know I'm onto something. So, what were some of the highlights on you know the journey to today? I know there's been the accelerator. So I would definitely want you to talk about that a bit. Mm-hmm. And if you after that can give us some more other highlights that you just really feel were those kind of breakthrough moments for Sahajan on this journey so far. 
So let's start with yes. Accelerate. Let's start with Accelerate. Yeah. So, so I launched in 2015. Um, a few months later, Sephora launches their Accelerator, which is targeted towards women. And, and you're on their first to, ever one. It's worth mentioning. I'm right? in their first ever one. And the funny part is, is that it, so they put out a press release. This is the funny part of the story. I don't know if I ever told you. They put out a press release that they're doing this Accelerator. A buddy of mine flips it to me. I send an email and I get an email back and it says it's invite only. <laughs> so... Thanks, but no thanks. And also it was intended for Americans only. And then, uh, so then maybe two hours later, I get another email that says, okay, you can apply. You have to have your application done by noon tomorrow with a video. And I was like, oh my God, here we go. Like, here we go. And so sure. Why not? Like that's like, if you're, if you're an entrepreneur, you've got to be a gamer. And so, yeah. So I did the application. I remember it was like 1130 at night saying to my husband, I handed him my iPhone because it's supposed to be an iPhone video. And I said, take a video. And he was like, trust me, you don't want me to take a video right now. Like (laughs) go to bed, (laughs) wake up in the morning. (laughs) Like you still have got a few hours left. And so sent that in. And then there was a series of interviews, which already were incredible because I met with, you know, at the time who was the VP of the, the Americas, you know, having him only a few months into my business, pepper me with questions about the business, you know, the vision, the challenges, the insight was incredible. And then, you know, we had a series of interviews and then I was in the program and it was an incredible program. It was its first year, as you've mentioned. So our crew always considers ourselves the OGs. We were five brands and two tech companies and three tech companies, I apologize. And, um, the idea was to find very, very early stage female founded brands. And these are their words, not mine, but that had the capability to really redesign the future of beauty. And so again, to have Sephora's insights so early on was really helpful because I, it was really helpful in terms of, again, it won the announcement in and of itself was like when Sephora, this leading retailer comes and tells you, we want you in our accelerator on our first go. And, you know, we're bending the rules and we're taking somebody from outside of Canada. And we're bending the rules because we only invited people to come. It tells you that you're onto something. And I think in addition to that, you know, they really helped me with a number of things. One of which was, I remember sitting down with them and they kept saying to me, like, cause I would talk about the beauty and the ritual of Ayurveda. And that was, you know, that was really at my heart. And they were like, but you are a science person. They were like, when you talk, like when we ask you questions, you actually talk about the science of the ingredients. Like when we're sitting at lunch, you talk science. When we're blah, 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 you talk science. When someone in the cohort doesn't know how to do something, you turn around and you're like, well, you can get what, you know, they were joking that I already knew where you could get clinicals. I, you know, oftentimes indie beauty founders in their early days aren't doing some of the things that as you grow, you do repeat insult, patch testing, micro testing, all that kind of stuff. And sometimes in the early days, we don't see that. And we had done all of those things. And they, I remember them saying to me, like, you are science at heart. And so you need to not just be talking about that stuff over lunch. And when somebody asks you a question, you need to, to make sure that that's part of everything that you do because it, it is inherently who you are and what you do. So they help me with things like those little insights that I wouldn't have gotten when you're an entrepreneur and you're sitting in your office and you're only talking to yourself. You don't know what you're saying. Um, yeah. So to have industry experts, but what it was also incredible for was the network. 
We had um, Pamela Baxter, who her last role was global CEO for Dior. Um, She was our entrepreneur in residence, but she has had a number of incredible roles. I continue to keep in touch with her. She's given me guidance along the way. Our cohort, you know, there's members of our cohort and the one after us, we're still on a WhatsApp chat and we message each other from everything from like, hey, happy birthday to does anybody know where they can get sweatshirts? Like it's, it's, uh, it's an incredible thing. And so that first experience was, was monumental, I think, in the growth of the brand, but also for me. Yeah. Also for me having left, as you said, like uh, I left this, I had already left a career in pharma to consult, but both of those things had been, you know, had been, had been successful. And this was a different kind of leap going into a product business. This was a huge leap. And we, I bootstrapped this and, you know, there was, there, there was a lot of faith that went into putting this business, you know, putting this business together. So to have that kind of validation when you're sort of living off of vision, hope, faith, and prayer is incredible. That's amazing. Just on um, sort of like that knowledge, I want to talk a bit about because you mentioned, especially the breadth of knowledge you had in your previous work, right? How that can really influence your job today and building the brand today. Um, was were you mindful when working in you know J and J and stuff that you might one day create a brand? So you were learning for the wider picture, or were you just focusing on the role itself, and then you just didn't realize later how valuable those learnings would be? I second the second the second part of your question or the latter answer. I would I was when you know when I was in the J and J world particularly I loved it and I was so I was very focused and I was uh, I like to say fortunate but I always correct women that we earn these things. So um, yeah. but I I grew quickly within the J and J biotech you know journey. So at twenty nine, you know I was a product manager on the on the biggest brand that they had, and so it. I, at the time, like my eyes were set on pharma and my eyes were set on a career in pharma. So I wasn't looking um, to build a brand, but it did really help me in the future because I think when you have that foundation of being able to see how big corporates do things, you set your business up with that in mind. And and in some ways, other people might, uh, actually many people did, like other indie founders kind of in the, I think in the early days looked at it and said like, is that going to slow you down because you're so meticulous with the formulations or because, you know, I even did things. I always had a warehouse. I always had certain things where I had other founders say to me, like, why don't you just keep the product in your house and get a student who's going to do the fulfillment. And, and those are really, really great avenues. But I, I had, from my, from, I think both my corporate life, from my consulting life, I kind of, early knew certain things. And one was like, I need to do what I'm really good at. And I need to bring in the the help and the tools to do the other things. And we need to focus. We're not a, we're, you know, we're not a logistics company. We're not a, and those kinds of insights you get when you work in bigger environments, because you realize how time and money are best spent. And, uh, and those things you don't even realize that you're picking up along the way. Yeah. No, so beautifully said. And uh, as you know, I want to ask you as well, um, on the journey of building Sahajan to today, there must have been a lot of ups and downs as well. Um, mm. Do you have any like small anecdotes of some of those moments where you're like, aha, actually, I wouldn't say you would change them because they make us who we are today and we need those. Mm-hmm. But you were like, ah, I have to figure this out. That wasn't the best. Um, do you have any to share just to make it, you know, for people to understand the realities of it? 
Yeah, I probably the cha- question is more like how do you share. choose? Yeah, yeah, exactly. How do you choose between like the hundred and fifty that there are? Exactly. But I'll tell you one from the early days, just because. Yes. That's important. Early. To me, it was a very it was a very powerful one, which was so we had the I had the idea to create Sahajin. I didn't come from the beauty industry. I didn't know how to do this, and so I went. You know, talked to my husband. And we went. You know, we went through our network and we found a chemist who was a former GlaxoSmithKline. So we went like pharma chemist to to really create the first products, and then we were. I was a few weeks post. I was like four weeks postpartum when this whole thing started. And so we were on the phone with, with, this is before Zoom. So we were on the phone, like doing all this stuff with Ayurvedic doctors. So we did all the initial formulations at the lab bench. This makes me sound like a hyper nerd, but we did all of the initial formulations. Like I rented lab space, the chemist did it. I didn't do it, but the chemist did it. Like we did them like in a very, very um, pragmatic, but very scientific way. And so I had to find a partner lab now, once we got it to the place that we were happy with, that could grow, you know, that could really now, it's time for us to scale and make, you know, commercial product and those types of things. And so Toronto is actually home to so many, Toronto and the surrounding area are home to so many manufacturing facilities. So many great brands are made here. Mac, Bite, Cover FX, just to name a few. Um, But all the people that we were going to, nobody wanted to work with me. I didn't come from beauty. I didn't come from cosmetics. And I remember finally saying to one person, like, can you at least just give me a meeting? And she said to me, you have to understand the number of people who knock at our door and say, I just went on vacation and I found this mud. And I think that if you turn that into a mask, you could make that into a skincare brand. So I was like, okay, fine. (laughs) So then I found a whole new slew of manufacturers to work with. And I found one that I thought was a perfect fit. It was actually, um, the facility was owned by a brand. Um, they understood exactly what I was trying to accomplish. Um, we signed agreements, we got working, they were helping me with sourcing. It was exactly what I needed because I was in N of one, again, with like a chemist and those types of things. And um, we were working on our Nourish Crimerish. This is, so fast forward in time, by the way, this is our hero, our bestseller, all of these things. So we're working on this. And when you transfer things, you know, you have to make sure that the lab can do it. And so they were just like, kind of, uh, it's basically like uh, being a little finicky with the formula, but you, you tighten it so that it works in bigger lab sense. Um, so that it can scale up and it can do all those things. Anyways, it didn't work. And um, Mm. so then I said to them, can you just send me your processes, like how you did it? Because then we'll look through it and see maybe where the error was. Like, did it get heated too much? Was it cooled too long? Did it mix too long? And they wrote me back and said, you no longer own this formula. Mm. You don't get to see how we make it. Um, you, you basically was like, we own this formula. You don't, you don't get to see any of this and good luck. We'll still make it for you, but you don't own the formula anymore. And gosh, I remember deal reading with that. that. Yeah. I, truthfully, I cried. I yeah. remember I mean, I would, sitting there. Would. Yeah. 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 I remember sitting there like eating mini eggs. I don't know if you have any eggs. In yeah. Mind, but they're like a <laughs> real delight. Good. And yeah. I remember <laughs> sitting, eating mini eggs and just crying and going, what do I do now? Because now I'm no longer, you know, it's not like I have the power of J&J behind me where the vendor would never do something like that to you, right? This is my supplier. I've signed an agreement with them. I've paid them quite a bit of time. 
and I've paid them quite a bit of, you know, I've paid them quite a bit of money and I don't have the money to be able to go and say, okay, well, I'm just going to take this somewhere else. I've invested so much. I did cry for, and then I was like, okay, I just need to figure this out. I obviously had, I have, you know, and this is where I talk a lot when people ask me what they should do when they have a business about having an important community around you. I went to one of my girlfriends who was a lawyer and I said, what do I do now? She read my agreement and she said, it's very clear by the agreement that they signed that you own this, but that really doesn't matter. Cause she was like, Lisa, if you take them to court, you'll be broke by the end of this. Yeah. And so she said, you need to come up with another solution. And so truthfully, I uh, brought in, that's when I brought in my advisor. I brought in, I had had um, someone from J&J, like more as an, in an advisory capacity as a friend, you know, who over was, you know, people who I was going to for advice along the way who were, who were advising me all arrived to this meeting. And, and we basically, and part of it, to be honest, was I think that they that that in that meeting they realized I was no longer an N of one, that it wasn't just mm. pushing me around, it was pushing us around. And, you know, one of my advisors, as I mentioned at the time, was the f- former head of YSL Canada, YSL Australia. This is a person with deep roots in beauty. And you're about to tell his advisee that she doesn't own this anymore. And then you've got somebody else who's like a financial advisor from J&J. And so part of it was I did the talking, but it was a little bit I brought some muscle. And I said... You know, if you learn something in the process of making my products, I understand that. And if you want to take something from that learning and apply it to your own brand or future brands or future products, I understand that. I'm not going to stop you from doing that. But, you know, one, by the by this agreement, I own this. Hmm. And two, you know, it just won't be viable for us to work together anymore. And it was, and I remember them leaving the room and then coming back and then them saying, fine, fine, it's yours. But thinking, why did I have to go through all of that? I clearly had an agreement and agreements often are just ways so that people have an understanding, right? Like I'm saying this and you agree and that's why we sign. So we had an agreement, we'd done the work and it was really, I think that they just thought they could push me around. Mm. And uh, there was so much learning in that, that I took for years to come because one is, is that I will, I still speak for myself and all of those things continue to be true and I can advocate for this business on, on any day. You know, I, I was telling you that I'm post COVID, even on my worst day, I can still advocate yeah. for this business, but it really yeah. speaks to that. When you are starting a business, there are times when you can't just do it by yourself, no. that you need to bring in that community, whether it is an advisor, whether it is a supporter, whether it's a friend, like you need to have those people who one will listen, one will eat the mini eggs with you, but will also strategize about this is what we're going to do. And we had a plan. Like if they hadn't accepted it, then we knew what the next step was going to be. And it was a pretty intricate plan. And, you know, we both had loan funding from the same place. Like there were all these things that were going through my head and I was, um, and I was determined to make sure that not only would I own the intellectual property, but that so early in the business, I wasn't going to be cast aside. And I often wonder, you know, would this have happened to me if I, you know, was it, you know, who knows what it was? Was it that I was a new mom and a woman and a person of color? Or was it just that I was an N of one? Who knows, who knows, who knows, who knows? And I'm not claiming that it's any of one of those one things, but I did learn from that, that I was in a really interesting predicament, um, not having power. Mm. And so now I, I work very closely with all of our partners. I make sure that they're like-minded. I make sure that they understand, you know, I make sure that they understand what we're trying to accomplish and that they have the values that I need for us to be able to accomplish that. 
but also, you know, we continue to grow with the right advisors, supporters, um, people behind us, because that'll always serve us. That's, thank you for sharing this. And I think honest, honestly, will help a lot of people, your honesty, because it's the realities of, of uh, the business, as we know, the business gate, mm-hmm. but also how to find solutions in that. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and one thing I also kind of want to go into is, is a little bit into the how to deal with, I guess, the decision makings of being a CEO and a founder, right? Both me and you are the same. We're both CEOs, but also founders of the business, which often you have businesses that have founders, but then have hired CEOs. So what, what has been your decision for, you know, and also I'm, I'm listening because I want to also see your answer as someone who's in the space. Um, why have you kept being a CEO and, and what's it like being both? Because, you know, there are different roles in a way. Oh, they're absolutely different roles. Um, and it's a great question because it's, it's one that I contemplate from time to mm. time. And, you know, why have I kept being the CEO? Because so, you know, f- as the founder, I feel very much connected to the ethos of the brand, right? It, it is my heritage. It's my, you know, the way my family raised me. It's, it's an homage in so many ways to my parents, to Kerala, India, where my parents are from. It's so deeply woven into who I am. But when I think of the mission and the growth of the business, that is also so intertwined to who I am. And to me, that's also the CEO role. So when I think of the things that we're going to accomplish this year, next year, in the next five years, I want to be the one to be able to lead that change. I want to be able to lead that growth. And and who knows, maybe you and I are sitting down one day and we have a conversation five, 10, 15 years from now where that's changed. I, you know, I can't tell you that for sure, but I know that I want to be that person because one, the beauty of being founder and CEO is that you can inspire, you know, if you're lucky and if you're good and all of those things, you can inspire your team because you are so connected to the authenticity of the brand in a way that nobody else could, but also nobody else is going to cheer for the growth and is going to advocate for the growth and is going to do the growth, mm-hmm. you know, the way that you will as the founder. Nobody, right. it, it's, it's a very, it's a very, very different thing. I, I felt that when I met you last and I remember we were having a chat about social media and I was telling my team about it and they were like, he care like he looks into the Instagram, like because I think they see you as this like he's you know, like he's like, you know, up here often like CEO, right? Like they see yeah. him as CEO, but I'm like, yeah, but he's also the founder. Like this is his That's it. I probably his, check it a bit right? too much in the sense of my social media manager is <laughs> like, Can you get off him? Like, sorry, I just check I check it more than her, I think. But that's the point, right? It's you have to know who what kind that of person is- you are. And I think you said it perfectly. You know, you are um, you know, you you are a uh, a CEO, that makes sense, I can't explain it. But, you know, a lot of people who decide to maybe start as a founder CEO because of budget or whatever, and then they end up moving and hiring someone. And I hear a lot of the time, it's like, well, you know, I wanted this A talent and they took the business from A to B. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I think that person, I mean, what I extrapolate is that person couldn't take it to B or didn't felt comfortable take it to B. So they hired someone that's perfect for that role. But, you know, someone like me and you, I, I say to my sister as well, I'm like, I think I'll stay CEO because I think I can take it to the B as a, as a character, you know, I, I, I really feel I have the CEO qualities and I'm learning and growing and becoming better, but I love being the front person and just making the decision making. And I think that's exactly what you're doing. And, and uh, it's very important to know who you are in that journey. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. It's very, very important. So mm-hmm. in terms of like just a quick overview of your yeah. current range of beautiful products, can you like yeah. paint a picture for everyone listening? Yeah, absolutely. And then you have to tell them your favorite because I was so touched to hear. But um, so the range, it is like it really does focus on skincare. So we are Ayurveda and we do believe in nourishment from head to toe. So we do have a beautiful nurture hair oil and a ritual body oil. But, you know, we really take care of the gamut of your skin. So there's gorgeous. We have a gorgeous cleansing oil, our essential cleansing oil. We have our golden milk cleanser. So if you're double cleansing, it's a beautiful Mm. combination to like do everything from remove makeup, SPF, all the kind of good stuff. And then the golden milk cleanser, I love, I don't know if you've tried it, but it's incredible because it inspired by the drink. So again, such a strong connection to Ayurveda, but it's like kind of does everything it needs to. It detox, it brightens, it leaves you kind of healthy and nourished. But if you've got clogged pores and all that kind of stuff. So it's all that, again, the connection points of the Ayurveda and the, and science. Um, and then we've got, again, we continue to, to build out the portfolio. So we've got a gorgeous radiant serum, um, our nourish creme riche, which I've told you about before, which is our, our best sellers are the radiance serum and the nourish creme riche. We have a gorgeous face oil, eye cream. We have beautiful bath salts. We've got our lip karma range, which is incredible. And we chai talked a lot so about good. I love this. Chai is so good. So we have vanilla, mint, chai and coconut. And, um, when we talk about, you know, my love of women and girls for every lip karma we sell, we send a girl in a developing country to school for a day so she can navigate her own future. So the range continues to grow. We have some really cool stuff coming in the next year. Um, but really we're building out that entire treatment, that entire routine so that you can be Sahajan from start to finish, or you can, as you're starting to get into it, you know, if you need an incredible cleanser, that's where you start. But most of our, most of our, like our hardcores are with our radiant serum and our nourish creme riche and our brightening mask. I almost forgot the brightening mask. I was about to say that, that was one of my favorites. Yeah. That is your favorite. Yeah. I think cause I was staring at your face. I was exactly. like, oh, and the brightening mask, but I never said it out loud. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's our incredible brightening mask, which yeah. is a turmeric brightening mask. It's, it's, a, it's, you know, inspired by the Haldi ceremony, which is the Indian pre-wedding ceremony, which mm-hmm. gives you your best skin before yeah. your wedding. But it's also based on the Ayurvedic recipe for hyperpigmentation. So yeah. turmeric, holy basil, and fruit-based AHAs. So it's a, it's a treatment mask. Um, it's going to exfoliate. It's going to give you, you know, new skin cells. And just you're going to look as, as if you could only see Akash, you'd look as bright and as handsome as that. Or gorgeous, um, however you want to say it. Uh, thanks to your products. And, and uh, yeah, I'm a huge, <laughs> huge fan of pretty much all of them. I, I think I, I've tried nearly all of them, so I say pretty much. I think maybe there's, well, obviously the hair ties I haven't tried, but <laughs> I don't necessarily, yeah. I haven't tried the buff stick either, but I have tried pretty much all of them. And I'm obsessed with basically everything, but my two favorite, if I was going to narrow it down, would definitely be the, the brightening mask, as you know, I love, and the mm-hmm. Radiance Face Serum. It's got like the Trifola, it's got the Hyaluronic Acid. I, I already know everything about mm-hmm. it. It's on my, literally my go-to. So I'm obsessed. Oh, that's and, amazing. And, I, I'd have, and, and the best thing is, is like, I normally like, you know when I love something, because when I met you, I know we had a, there was an amazing PR dinner we had, and you were so kind to give a whole goodie bag. And um, so I have like quite a few products now. And you know, it's good when I don't give it to my sister or team. I keep it for my next, my, my, because I finished them so quickly. So they're currently, I've got a little stock ready to, to use. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Amazing. Perfect. No, it's amazing. Um, so kind of before we go into fire round questions, we'd love to know, mm-hmm. 
what is the future for Sahajan? Apart from, of course, amazing MPD, we know that, and um, mm-hmm. you know, expanding yeah. global expansion. But for you, like, where is your deep? What is your deeper kind of future for this? For you personally, I mean, my eye is, is it's really growth, and it's global growth, and it's it's really yeah. taking Sahajan. Like, I believe, you know, much like yourself, that we have this incredible incredible capacity and this incredible opportunity to bring Ayurveda to the world globally in a way that's accessible, in a way that people can, you know, dip their toes into as much as they want. And I really believe one of the things that was important to me with Sahajan from the beginning was, yes, that we would deliver this great range of products. And yes, I wanted to be this meaningful connection between old science and and new science. But I wanted to be the a brand that continued to support people along their wellness journey. And so, because I think that that's something that's really important. That's what Ayurveda is about. It's really, it's the only science I know that focuses on the quality and longevity of life, but it's really like, for me, like if, when we, like you were talking about the highs and the lows, I keep, um, a folder in my email box called warm fuzzies. And anytime we have a customer who, sends us an email and it's addressed to me or somehow manages to find my email and sends me personally an email and says like, my skin is different. My skin is healed. My skin is this, like I keep them all because to me, that's the goal. The goal is to just like support people in any way that I can. And so the meaningful growth, you know, obviously for the business, it's, it's going to grow. It's going to do amazing things. And I'm really proud of what we've accomplished and where we're going. But the meaningful things is the things that we do to touch every people, to touch people every day with Ayurveda, whether it's in our products, whether it's in our content, whether it's in everything that we provide. I love that. No, thank you. That's such a beautiful way um, to kind of now transition into. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, actually, I have another question, which is it's quite a mean question. It's my fire. It's my desert island question. So before we go to fire round. It's going to be kind of like choosing between your favorite baby. So I'm inviting you to a founder beauty retreat, but you know what it is. I'm going to be tricky. And Lisa, you can only bring one Sahajan product. So what is your go-to product? It is like choosing between my babies. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Can I bring two? Um, Okay. Nope. Okay. (laughs) I bring the Nourish Creme Riche. I bring the Nourish Creme Riche. Why? And I'll tell you why. Tell me. Because... It's a, it's like this gorgeous, rich cream formulation. It also has trifola. It has brahmi or gotu cola. It, how I describe that cream is like, it brings your skin back to its healthiest center. Mm. So if your skin is dry, red, sensitive, eczema, whatever, it's going to bring it back. It's amazing. If you're aging, we have, it's, as I mentioned, a rich cream, but we have people who use it every single evening in the summer to get their skin back into its health after being, you know, too much time in the sun. It's like your... To me, I, I put it on every single day and I love beauty products and I try everybody's, but I can't give that up. Okay. Well, I love that. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people, we've covered a lot of products. I think they just have to try all of them. That's the solution. Yeah, Normally yeah, that's say, it. Just, but know, actually, that's it. actually, I'll add to that because the, the good science geek in me is this is one of the ones with the clinicals and 100% of people yeah. had a minimization in fine lines with that product. And 100% Amazing. of people had a difference in skin's hydration. And that's measurements. That's not perception. So Love that. That's actually really... Science that's, and, tells and the story. Yeah. Science is it's, it's so critical. And that's, that's, a, mm-hmm. that's an, another amazing thing you've done with Sahajan is, you know, take something that we have traditionally just accepted because it's a passed down tradition. If my grandma said it's good, it's good. 5,000 year olds, you know, passed mm-hmm. down rituals. It has to work and it does work. But definitely people do want science. Uh, it's just another, you know, affirmation, confirmation, 
of mm-hmm. what it is, what it does. And I think I love, and I, I know for, for Fable and Main, it's something that we want to start investing more and more into, that you've really invested into clinicals from day one because it's so important and so powerful. It's not cheap. We know it. It's not cheap <laughs> at all. It's an investment no. for any brand startup to even top tier. Like it, it can be, you know, brands can spend millions and millions of dollars just on clinicals, but um, mm-hmm. it goes a long way. So yeah, it's amazing that you did that. Uh, so now fire round questions first thing that comes mm-hmm. to your mind okay so the first okay. question is what's another beauty brand that you're currently loving and we, we know Fable and Maine we know but apart okay. from our brands what's another beauty brand <laughs> um, Axiology Ooh. Uh, she does these lip to lid bombies so they look like little crayons. And so you can use them on your cheeks. I have them on right now. You could use them on your cheeks. You can use them on your lips. You can use them on your lips. You can use them on your lids. Um, and they're completely sustainable. They don't use any plastic. They're the same size as a lipstick, but they're these tiny, tiny crayons. Amazing. Oh, very cool. Um, what's a guilty pleasure of yours? 100% chocolate. <laughs> and uh, do you have a favorite chocolate? Oh, God, that's so hard to pick. And you're in London. I actually, like, get British chocolate imported for me. You're going to laugh, but it's actually McVitie. You know um, the McVitie's brand, the chocolate mm-hmm. hobnobs? Yeah. You can't get those in Canada. Really? Why? Yeah. I don't know. It's like a British thing. Okay, that's very interesting. Um, <laughs> but we have to bring more. I, I actually think about, like, sometimes I take it for granted, like, some of the kind of food and, like, things we have here. Even yeah. I was on a, a podcast earlier this week, and Anna Lahey from um, Vida Glow, she was saying um, she is obsessed with Britain's dairy milk. And I was like, what do you mean? Oh, She's Britain's like, dairy milk so is the best. Different. Yeah, and I get it. I kind it's of different. understand this. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have dairy milk here in Canada, but it's not the same as yours. So when yeah. my girlfriends come in from the UK, they bring dairy milk, they bring fruit and that. It's different. It's very different. Yep, very true. Um, what are you currently watching or reading? Ooh, good one. I am watching, actually, I just started uh, yesterday, but I can't even think of the name of the show. It's the one with Neil Patrick Harris. And oh, it's like un- his new show for the sex Uncoupled. I know, I was about to say Unplugged, but I knew that, that was wrong. It's the same uncoupled. producers as Emily in Paris, right? In Paris and Sex in the City. So I just started that. And I'm reading The Vanishing Half. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've read it, but it's a good... Yeah. It's uh, so I read a lot of fiction. I don't read as many business books. Mm. I read if I am reading, it's like to to escape into a narrative. I feel that I'm mm. the same. Uh, do you have a favorite social media platform right now? Ooh, I am a newbie to TikTok, but I'm going to say TikTok because I'm just getting into it. And at the beginning, I couldn't understand it, and now it's becoming a go-to source for all sorts of interesting things. It's, I mean, it's risky because it's because of time warp but it's amazing it's so amazing. amazing especially for the brand have you found like really useful for Sahajan as well like as, as a brand marketing tool so we don't we haven't been posting actually so we have the handle and I am from a strategic standpoint trying to figure out how best to use it but I've started posting because as you know my first love well my first love are my children but my other love is um, Ayurveda and so we've started posting uh, tips insight on Ayurveda through my own, um, through my own platform. And it's, it's really, it's considering I'm, I think a month and a half into TikTok, it's doing really well. And it's 
been really good for me because again, when, when we talk about one, you know, my goal in, in terms of being able to, to bring Ayurveda to people, it's, it's allowing me to do that. But yeah. two, it's really helping me understand what people want to know. And we get so many questions that it's really just helping us understand what kind of content people want to hear from us. I love that. No, very true. And, and I think it's something that, um, honestly, from an, like, it's kind of a weird thing to think about, but like, a lot of people are new to Ayurveda, obviously, in the world, and TikTok it has a great way to reach a lot of masses. Sometimes, like, now you see this hair slugging trend, et cetera. It's quite interesting mm-hmm. to see how we can um, find a way to balance, obviously, like, Ayurveda as a trend, but also it's mm-hmm. like, it's not a trend. It's been a 4,000-year, 5,000-year ritual. But at the same time, if it hits as many people, how do we adapt to that new narrative, right? So it's quite an interesting platform to see how the brand can modernize and how our kind of... Because it's true, like, you know, when we know Ayurveda, a lot of people won't understand what Trifala is. I can tell you right now, we're in, we're in production of a new product with Sephora, and then we're talking about Trifala, and they're like, uh, we don't know what that is. Can we change another ingredient? I'm like, but it's Trifala. I can't change Trifala, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's like, um, I can't. It's like, it's it like, it it's like a magic um, ingredient. It's just the best. Yeah. But, but mm-hmm. in a way, it's about, we have to listen to that and find ways to, like, how do I tell people what it is, like, the, like what Trifala stands for, the three different ingredients, but at the same time, yeah, be Ayurvedic. So it's quite interesting, TikTok. It does help the brand kind of think a bit 360 in a way. Um, mm. The next question is, what's a favorite quote or mantra for you? Oh, gosh, I also have a lot of those. You can't see my desk from here, but they're like taped on the wall. Um, uh, I have a few. Uh, so one that I like to live by is that uh, kindness is kindness is the new cool. So kindness is really important to me. And as I've grown in business, like sometimes, uh, and I know founders who felt this way, but you talk a lot about collaboration over competition is I think that we can all grow and be successful and we can do it from a values driven perspective. So that's a huge one for me. And then the other one that I have, I have a couple that I've written in my notebook, but sometimes it's like, you have to get let go of the life you've planned to have the one that's Mm. waiting for you. And so sometimes in business, we really root ourselves into this one. And I use business as an example, but I feel this across my whole life is we root ourselves into this one idea of this is how it has to be. And sometimes the hardest thing is to let go and to just say, no, this is, this is actually what's, what's meant for me, or this is what's coming. And if I don't let go, if I don't let go of that situation with my manufacturer, if I don't let go of, of whatever, cause you are going to hear no's a hundred times along the way. If I don't let go and I don't, and if I keep just saying, well, what if that had happened? You know, I'll never get what's coming for me. That's very true. Mm-hmm. No, very, very, very true. Now, and my last question is, mm-hmm. if you weren't a beauty entrepreneur right now, what would you be doing? I would probably still be in pharma, but <laughs> I, or I'd, I'd be consulting. Well, let's say if you weren't but, in pharma as well. Like, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Event. No, but you know what's amazing is that if I... Have you ever heard of that? I'm sure you've heard this like story. It's like this man has a fishing boat and he goes and he fishes and then yeah. the business people come in and they can tell and they like expand his fishing and he, he has like 50 boats and then he sells yeah. his business and then he ends up with his one boat. I sometimes think I'm doing all of this to end up as a fitness and yoga instructor because yeah. it's, um, I did it when I was in grad school. I did it when I worked at j and I did it when I worked in other biotechs. Um, I love, I love, I love it in general, and I love being a part of other people's health journey. Um, Amazing. And so mm-hmm. I think I would continue to do those things. Mm-hmm. Well, Lisa, we're going to 
catch up again very soon. We're going to go for mm-hmm. now a spin or a Barry's or a class. Now I know. Maybe a step class too. Yes. I'm down for anything. Let's do it. Okay, perfect. Um, mm-hmm. I am... I, I am one of those people that I'm a, I'm a fitness enthusiast. I just don't look like a fitness enthusiast, but I am. <laughs> but what does that mean? I know to you're me, a right? thin. I, <laughs> I, I don't look like it either. Don't get me wrong. Like people are like, you work out? Yes, um, I, I, I tend but... to tell people, like, I said to do something every day, and I'm like, they're like, you do something every day? You have two PTs a week? I'm like, yeah, I mean, I could. But that's the thing. You do it. For, I do it personally for not the physique, it's for the mental factor you know it's oh so for important. the mental balance it's, it's so, so it's so important it's so important so we'll be doing that and we'll be catching up mm-hmm. and do our adventures as planned but i want everyone to be able to still follow your journey um and mm. obviously it's the hygiene so where can everyone find your own social and also your brand yeah, absolutely. So you can always find us on sahajan.com. Um, and I'm sure those deep, the, you can find the spelling, but S-A-H-A-J-A-N.com. Um, you can find us across retail in North America. So Credo, the detox market, if you're in Canada, um, the Bay, the detox market. We're kind of spread all through, all through Canada. Um, uh, but definitely find us online. You can find us on Instagram or you can follow me personally on TikTok at Lisa Matam as I journey through this wild world of, of TikTok. But just, yeah, j- we love, love for anybody to connect in any way. And uh, I put all the links in the summary, but please do do that because Lisa's full of amazing advice, wisdom. I mean, I'm telling you, she sends me photos of my stores <laughs> uh, and helps me so, like, honestly, out of all the founders, like, you are so supportive, genuinely so, um, just with the warmest heart and I'm just wishing you all the success and uh, I'm really happy to be your friend as well on this journey and championing Thank South you. Asian beauty and Ayurveda together. Yes, so. absolutely. And uh, you're a dear friend and I'm honored to call you a friend. Thank you so much, Lisa. We'll, we'll see you very soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Founded Beauty as much as I had making it. And if you did, please share it with a friend who you think will love it too. Founded Beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music Podcasts, the Acast app, and many more. And I'm also very proud to be part of the Acast Creator Network. So be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop. We really appreciate every single follow, listen, share, and review. It truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. So as a little thank you, I will be hosting a giveaway each week on my Instagram channel at meta underscore a, where you can win some amazing Fable of Maine goodies. All you have to do is follow me, check out my stories and all will be revealed. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founded Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops.